Hello and welcome to the Avocado Social Club, a podcast where we talk about things that come up in our everyday conversations, from politics to popular culture. My name is Fraser, I'm from London. And my name is Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. We've had a little bit of a break since the last one, but we're ready, we're ready, we're good for this episode, good to get back into the routine. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for everyone who's who's been with us over the last few weeks, few months on social media, on the Avocado Social Club Instagram page in particular. Yeah, um, go and follow us there if you don't. Yes. And so, yeah, we'll go, go straight into it. What have we been enjoying over the last few weeks? What about books and articles you've been reading a lot still? Ish, I think. Um, still not on my usual pace since lockdown started, but you know, that's all right. Everyone's <laughs> going at their own pace. Uh, I read a couple of books since we last had a chat on the podcast. I read The Dutch House by Anne Pratchett. Um, and for this one, I'm just going to read the back because I think that's all I knew before I started reading it and I enjoyed it like that. So I'm just going to read what it says on the back. Like swallows, like salmon, we were the helpless captives of our migratory patterns. We pretended that what we had lost was the house, not our mother, not our father. We pretended that what we had lost had been taken from us by the person who still lived inside. So that's kind of historical family drama fiction type thing. If um, anyone's read Anne Patchett before, probably know what she what her writing's like. And yeah, quite enjoyed that. Mm. And I also read another non-fiction book called Working... Well, no, the last one was fiction. This one is non-fiction. <laughs> and it's called Working Out Loud by John Stepper. So what, what this was helpful for me was just knowing certain ways to network online. I think that's what my biggest takeaway. The So the book the subtitle is A 12-Week Method to Build New Connections, A Better Career and a More Fulfilling Life. Yeah, uh, which it talks a lot about creating your own path in your career and it tells a lot of stories of people that felt quite bored with their jobs and how they kind of turned it around by using the methods in the book. Uh, my biggest takeaway more than doing the 12-week the step method thing, uh, my biggest takeaway was just little things about showing appreciation appreciation online for work that you've read or that you're looking at or that just kind of how to network with people through LinkedIn and Twitter and, and social media and what it means because sometimes it feels like you're kind of shouting into a void mm. and what they say is like even a like is an extra point in the interaction scale. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's why I took the most out of it. So if you're kind of shy about networking online and right now in times where there's no real life events, it kind of um, made a lot of sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, maybe good timing. Some yeah. of it was a bit basic for you though. Yeah, I mean, some of it are things I'm already doing, but it was just validating yeah. <laughs> to read. Uh, so Funny. yeah. And I read a few articles, well, two articles I'm going to recommend, okay. which go with, actually kind of a little bit go with what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. A tiny bit. I read a The Verge article, which came out last December and was pretty big, called Emotional Baggage by Zoe Schiffer. And it narrated, it's quite a long read, but it narrates... It's a good one, I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, have you read it? Yes. Okay, yeah. So it narrates kind of the toxic culture within away the suitcase brand for those that don't know it's it's basically one of these new direct consumer 
brands that sprung up in the past like five years mm-hmm. super cool image popular amongst millennials apparently you know all these brands are popular amongst millennials although obviously older people buy them as well because they're quite expensive the suitcases yeah um but yeah super like hyped brand and one that everyone would want to work for if you're in the kind of marketing space or yeah you know consumer startup space it's like because this article was recommended to me by a girl who i'm kind of in a community with like kind of online workspace with and she's doing a project called good fun on instagram she's been reading a lot about company culture because that's what the project's about and she said it was just interesting how their outward presence was so positive and so kind of the values of the brand seem to be very uh, inclusive and positive mm. towards towards people and then in inwards it was actually a really toxic place to work so yeah. how it was interesting that dis- disconnect and then after reading that I read an article on the helm called, called are all these female founder takedowns fair by Leah Chernikov and that is a very interesting article because it talks about it talks about specifically the article of emotional baggage and uh, the kind of follow-ups to that with other female founders. And we've seen this happen before with um, Nasty Girl and all these brands by, who ha- that have female founders and how common it is for the CEO to be eventually kind of taken down. Yeah, and, like Steph Corey was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, And it doesn't excuse any of the behaviour of these founders but it does put it in juxtaposition with how much it took for what's the name of the uber founder travis kalanick yeah how much it took for him to for to be taken down after so many articles were written about him and how it takes one for a female founder to be taken down i think it's yeah i think that's interesting and how it's all following like it, it talks a lot about all the factors with it the fact that me like after the emotional baggage article, there was a sort of thing in media where they were like, that was super successful, so let's look for more to do that. And how female founders are expected to run their brand through their personal Instagrams as well and be kind of influencers too, which mm. puts them on a pedestal that is then very easy to tear, mm. whereas with male founders, it's very different. So it's a very interesting article, which I will link as well. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. I mean, the other thing that springs to mind separate to the article is how so often you hear about well there was way more male ceos out there and more kind of successful male business people and so so often you read about them that it's kind of less shocking somehow when it's like the ceo of this brand has to step down due to this allegation or that people just kind of put it it's almost whereas when you read about you know one of these other companies and this i'm trying to think of what some of the others are they're not coming to my mind, but there's other female CEOs that, like you said, have been taken down. Mm-hmm. It somehow is more shocking because you don't see it every day. And it's because um, people kind of expect, because these women run their brands through their social media and very personally, it's also, it's kind of like seeing a celebrity being yeah, taken down. Yeah, and it's kind yeah, of yeah. like they represent the women in the business, which is just so unfair to... Because when... A male CEO has stepped down. No one's like, oh, it's because he's that's that's what men are like. Like it's no, kind it's of... saying yeah, it's like the worst of men are like that, and it should be if someone is doing something bad, like you've got to try and judge it yeah. on its 
like it's, not mer- not judge it on its merits, but the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's a very uh, interesting read to yeah. read after because the emotional baggage article is very good too mm. to just talk about internal company culture and internal yeah. bullying, but then it was also very interesting to read um, the second article. So yeah, recommend both of them if you're into your family business and company, but yeah. stories. Yeah. Cool. And also listen to a po- we both listened to an episode of this podcast actually, which is called How to Own the Room by Viv Groskop. And she talks to a lot of great women about owning their space and speaking up. And um, again, sort of to do with these two articles, apparently I was mm. very into that this month. But, um, but her episode on how to own the Zoom was very good very useful yeah it has some very very good tips so i would recommend that episode and the other ones are also very good but yeah that was... how to own the zoom i'm still trying to implement some of the suggestions but yeah. they were really smart like really really smart and things, things that you wouldn't necessarily think yeah. about that make a yeah. huge difference so that was good so moving on to our film and tv what have we been so we watched a few new things okay so we went through some old things we watched Avatar, Monsters Inc. Rewatching a bit of Master of None. Modern, Modern Family. Modern Family, yeah. yeah. So, new things. We watched, and this is a couple of weeks old now, we watched the Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, which is a film, it's a Netflix film. Yeah. Scheduled to be released originally at the time of Eurovision, which is in May, but it was obviously cancelled this year, the Eurovision Song Contest. And it's Will Ferrell. He di- did he direct it and write he di- it? I, I don't know if he directed it. He, re- he, he wrote co-wrote it. it. And yeah. he's in it. And he's in it. And Rachel McAdams yes. as well. So two very likeable people to watch. Yeah. It, it would, if you missed Eurovision this year, I feel like it would fill that hole. Yeah, it, it just has all of the kind of... It's a very, very, very silly comedy about a hypothetical Icelandic entry into Eurovision. Uh, ABBA fans. Uh, who want to recreate what ABBA did. Yeah, very <laughs> funny, very silly. Possibly, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of offensive to a lot of different European nations, like the stereotypes they have of the Russian character, Yeah. the Icelandic people. Apparently, <laughs> Icelandic people quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. It was directed it by a guy called David Dobkin, okay. so not uh, Will Ferrell, but he did co- co-write the script. Fair enough. But yeah, um, I, so, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very feel good. Yeah. It was, it was quite a sweet film, I would say. But it's not, it's not the most incredible thing you're gonna see this year. It's just quite not. fun to watch. Then we watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. Yeah. Which we enjoyed. Really enjoyed. Would recommend. So how would you what What's that genre? Musical. But it's but it's a <laughs> film of of the it, stage. A stage production, but it's multiple stage productions that they've kind of cut together into one optimised version. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's three separate stage productions. Of well, Hamilton. no, of Hamilton, yeah. Um, with the original cast. And they filmed all, or, all three and then edited them into this film, uh, which was set to be released next year, I think. But because of um, COVID, they've pushed it forward. Yeah, I guess because Disney Plus was brought forward... Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And they also use some setting setting, um, images of the the stage without an audience or anything. So they obviously, Mm. they like optimise the entire experience of watching Hamilton 
into this yeah. film. I mean, so I didn't know I didn't know anything about the play Hamilton. I mean, some people and we know have been lucky enough to see it in London or mm. in uh, in New York when it was on there. But yeah, I didn't really know anything about the story of. We don't anything yeah. <laughs> even like the founding fathers yeah, because really neither know. of us is American. We yeah. didn't really know, and it's a good story and it's, it's well told. Yeah, and good the, sing- songs. The, the the singing is fantastic, outstandingly yeah. done. Jonathan Groff as the king. Yes. It's very funny. It's um, obviously, Lin Manuel Miranda, you get all the original casts and they're all very good. So, we really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it's fun for all the family. Yeah. And us. And us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's obviously been a lot of controversy over certain things in, in Hamilton on Twitter and stuff, which you can read about. But overall, really enjoyed it. I also, I've been watching a BBC show, which is also on HBO for people in the American continent and I think it's probably one of the best shows to come out this year so far it's called mm. I May Destroy You and it was written by Michaela Cole who also wrote Chewing Gum which is a Netflix show um, that people might have watched but yeah I'm really enjoying that so it talks about it's about a woman who gets who goes to a club and gets drugged and raped and then she wakes up the next day and kind of has to deal with these memories like scattered memories of the night before and her life completely changes as she realizes what consent means and doesn't mean and just in a very real world setting it's set in London and yeah and it talks a lot about the effects Mm. of social media the effects of kind of social media stardom she is meant to be this kind of twitter star who wrote a book about being a millennial so yeah it's kind of it's got a lot of commentary on young people now yeah so i'm really really enjoying that um yeah it's been very critically acclaimed Acclaimed, yeah i think michaela cole is is incredible and if you read her interviews and if you read about what she did in the set of chewing gum and it's she i think she's amazing so very deserved Final section of recommendations, music. One song that I really like by a band called The Forever, which in reality is just the ex-lead singer from the band Coasts. I don't know if he really has a band, but he has some people who he plays with to okay. kind of help him record the songs. But I didn't know though. I thought it was just him. I didn't know he had a band. I mean, yeah, it's obviously it's it's his songs. And okay, he gets cool. kind of, you know, a drummer to do the drums and... Yeah records it um but the song is called home really like the song indie alternative bit of rock it can get you fired up or it can just kind of make you feel sentimental and happy so that sounds like coast yeah it does so it's a song (laughs) that's the song i like we also had uh the biggest album release of the year no we had heim release women in music part three which i love Yes, I think it's really great. I think it's different to their previous albums, but it's super, super them. Yeah. And that's that's why it's, that's what a good third album or second, third, fourth album is, I guess. Yeah, it's, you feel like you're listening to Heim, but it is still yeah. very fresh and, yeah, they're great. Yeah, and they've got a few different sounds in mm-hmm. there. Like, it's not all one sound, I think. There's also... There's like a little bit of electronic yeah. mixing. Yeah, and I like every song. Bit. Yeah, so. I, I, I also like every song. So that yeah. was a great release. I haven't been keeping as up to date with releases as I normally am. Yeah, I think also there's going to be a bit of a glut of releases 
later this year yeah. and next year because there's a lot of things that would have been either sort of mastered and recorded at this time or would have been released already but yeah. have just kind of been kicked back and back. So Even Heim was like, we're going to push it back four months and then they brought it forward like three months so they yeah. had a bit of a... It was a weird marketing thing because they were kind of like, oh, well, it's like coronavirus. We need to wait until our, you know, the, the distance. And then they thought, actually... Everyone's listening to us right now on social so well media it, and we're yeah. on the radio. Why don't we just put it out? So it was a strange one. Yeah, they never <laughs> did their final uh, dance class. No. No, which I signed up for. So. Virtual dance class. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> keep an eye out for those. Apparently they're amazing. I signed up for the last one. They never did it. Anyway. <laughs> so this week's topic, we've called it starting a brand... How to start a brand. How to start a brand. So as most of you know, we have a brand called Mexi Clothing, which is very closely linked to this podcast project. And we are asked a lot about starting a brand because we did it in 2016. Kind of started the idea in 2015. Yeah, it's four years ago. So we're not full experts on the field of starting brands, but we do know a few things about starting and running an independent small business yeah and we just wanted to share some of the things that we've known over four years there's podcasts out there where you can listen to people with 40 years experience 20 years experience whatever but we just thought it'd be fun to kind of throw together some of the things that a lot of people might be thinking to themselves about starting a brand and obviously you get asked I get asked oh how did you do that aspect of it or this aspect of it kind of in the same way that we're always asked about and still are asked about long distance relationships this is another (laughs) this is the other big thing so we wanted to talk about it and yeah the brand is Mexi Clothing www.mexi.clothing just relaunched the website yeah we just relaunched it so it's it's a fashion business so Mm -hmm. we import clothes from Mexico to the UK and sell them online We've done physical stores as well, yeah. and just things like that. So just so you have a bit of a sense of of what we've done, what we've what we've done. Yeah. So the first thing that I'm gonna say is that there is a difference between having a checklist of specific actionable things you need to do and the creative side of starting a brand. Yeah, and so it's like starting a business. Yeah. And what you have to go through and the things that you might have to do once or you might have to keep doing, versus building a brand yeah so I the guess. admin yeah. versus the like building of of a brand voice and and identity and all of those things so those are two very important things to keep partly separate but keep in mind with us Fraser does a lot of the admin and checklist stuff and I do a lot of the brand building but we both kind of mix it in as well right and I think actually the first thing is maybe starting with why in terms of why you're doing the brand. Yeah. So that and that maybe is what distinguishes kind of the brand from just a business. So I might come up with an idea which is, oh, we could sell this to this person. And that's kind of the business idea maybe. Mm-hmm. But the brand is sort of why we've chosen to do what we wanted to, to do, which is kind of create a name for Mexi clothing, create a name for ourselves rather than just sell certain things to certain people which is sort of the business i guess yeah and yeah yeah and the reason of your brand for being like why do you want to do that we wanted to connect our two cultures in a way 
Like, why... I'm glad you said that because that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you want to? What is the reason that you're being called to do this business? Because it can't just be oh, because I'm going to make money. Because right. that's never going to. Yeah, because and then it's not it's not so much a brand because the brand is like there to be known. And for people to be recognized by people, it doesn't matter whether it's a few people or a lot of people, like the purpose mm. of a brand is that people recognize something in that and it stands for something. Whereas selling something to make money, like that's what it is about. And obviously your brand, you can use it to make money, but... Yeah, but it's, it's not it's the main reason for yeah, being. exactly. And I think this also applies if you want to create your own personal brand, because that's the thing yeah. now, because of the internet. And there's also, you need to have a reason why you want to be a personal brand. Obviously eventually it is to make money but there has to be something else that's going to push you forward because trust us just the idea of making money is not going to pull you through the hardships of starting a business yeah and i think we'll just should we should we address that one now yeah (laughs) yeah because i've done during the last four years other things to make money like other businesses yeah like consulting and freelancing and stuff like that but none has kept me there's nothing i've come back to as engaged as engaged as as having a brand to build and i guess a lot of people will ask kind of on this question about building your personal brand is should i build my name so should i be james smith james smith.com or should i create something called like js designs or something or like my own made up word or whatever and we obviously for us it was an easy one to say, no, it needs to be something that's sort of bigger than, than us and that's wider, more inclusive. And so that's why we called it Mexi, whereas, and it sort of represents what the brand's about. Whereas mm. if kind of you're an artist or something, maybe it's more tricky or you're, you're a designer or something, it's a little bit of a different question. Yeah, I mean, I have, for example, I have my website for design and film and that is separate to my skill and that I suppose is a part of my personal brand even though I, I haven't built my personal brand in 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 any way because I haven't partly I haven't had the time partly it's not something that fully interests me but I think that there is a is worth thinking about naming it just after yourself because then you can kind of pivot it to whatever you want mm-hmm. your own personal brand to be when we talk about a brand like Mexic Clothing we can't pivot it very much because that's we have a concept and a very specific reason for being. Yeah, yeah. And I also think there's kind of around that, it's do you want people to always be buying from you? For Mexi clothing, no. Yeah. I think I want people to be buying from kind of the concept of, yeah. of the, the business, whereas when I've sold kind of freelancing and consulting, I have, it's very much been, you know, you're paying for the things that I know and that I do. And I guess that applies if you're a designer, creative artist to some extent if you just want people to buy from you then yeah that's that's your name and you always want to stand by everything every single sale and be able to make every single sale yeah you have to be the person to some extent i think something else that people ask a lot in more about not about personal brands but about a business is how do i know if i've got an idea yeah and part of that is why are you why are you building that that is very important but also do your research and see if other people are doing something similar if the problem has been solved or if there is another a space the space for someone else to do it like you research competitors research who your target market would be what type of brand you want to be 
And then you'll probably either get very inspired or get very knocked down. So yeah. then you'll see which one. Yeah, and I, th- I think on that, that point that you made about researching are other people doing it, it's both validation but also competition. So you've yeah. got to kind of have that balance. And for me, just thinking back to four and a half years ago when, I came, when we first mentioned the idea. Yeah. So I think I kind of said it. I said we could import this product and mm-hmm. then we kind of built it from there. Um, it was a case of, yeah, we know that the model of importing products and selling them works. We know that selling fashion is a business that can be done. However, there's so many people doing it that it's like it's proven, but it's super competitive. Yeah. So is it enough of a niche to have, be importing from one specific place that right now barely anyone is importing the type of goods that we're importing from and that's kind of how we landed on the business idea was that combination of established formula import products sell online sell in in store but then um yeah uh, understanding that there is a a bit of a spin on it that kind of like is the brand and and everything else so i think yeah don't be scared of competition because competition is validation in in a way but then try not to just do the exact same yeah, like thing. kind of figure out your own USP and 100%. your own uh, path towards what you want to do. And also be, keep very in mind kind of what, and write this down, like what the values and the mission of your brand is, which it sounds very boring to do, but it's actually not. And I'll come on to that in, in a little bit. But yeah. if you keep that in mind, then it's easier to avoid certain disappointments. Because, for example, when we first started Max Clothing, Fraser looked at one specific product from one brand yeah. and said, we could import this. And then we talked to that brand and they were like, actually, we're about to close down. So no. <laughs> yeah. So we couldn't do what, what we initially wanted to do, but that wasn't the core idea for the brand. So it wasn't a massive disappointment. We were just like, right, we'll yeah. find something else. Yeah, because we had that, the, the concept and the mission was was sort of like already in development so yeah. it didn't derail too much that one specific kind of way to do it was was blocked off it just meant that you know had to do some others yeah and then on writing your values and writing your mission and all of that it is partly quite a creative process mm. i find and something that is useful to do is follow brands that you like and that you feel speak to you go on their website and read their read their about us page mm. and you'll find that a lot of them have very creative ways of writing them and then yeah. if you sit down and you write your story and your mission and your values which we actually redid about yeah. a month ago yeah, just to see where we we're at <laughs> and that was actually quite a fun creative activity to do so don't think mm. of it as just hassle yeah. uh, it is a fun part of running a business yeah and it's obviously a little bit kind of cheesy and formal and i've spoken in my my full-time job that i do as well to business owners who are like oh no that feels really corporate and i don't want to do that i'm a small business owner i've just got my like my restaurant i don't want to think about it but then when they actually get forced to do it either through getting a a sort of template of write down one to five Mm -hmm. things or through working with a, a consultant to help them they've all said it's really it helps them reset refocus and and understand things. I've found I've done it on planes. Okay, people aren't flying that much at the moment, but I find that's quite a good time somehow for me. Um, or just yeah, just times when you've you've you don't you're not kind of in the middle of the work day, but you've got a sort of a creative clear time to look. do it. 
it is like it is honestly very like writing creatively sometimes yeah. because the way that you write your story can be as creative as you want it to be and brands that do it really well are innocent does it really well mm. oatly does it quite well um there's tons so if you yeah. follow ones that you like and are maybe similar in tone to your brand not necessarily a competitor but um just similar in what you what you want to output yeah. more than the product itself yeah and and obviously it helps if you've got people who can write so i i i'm not a creative writer but i can write quite mm-hmm. well you're obviously more of a creative writer like that's that's your sort of talent that you you've developed mm-hmm. but you don't have to start a brand and a lot of people that i know started brands didn't realize this at first you don't have to be um a designer you don't have to be a writer to be creative and to come yeah. up with an original idea and you can hopefully find someone else to actually execute that because you definitely need those those partnerships to help you realize the the visions but i remember hearing from a guy called lord billamoria who founded cobra beer which is one like one of the most widely drunk um That's beers successful. that you have with curry yeah. in the uk so if you go to an indian restaurant you get cobra beer it's, really it's, nice. just, it's very nice <laughs> but he at school was kind of told he wasn't creative but it was more that he wasn't an artist he wasn't kind of artistic or mm-hmm. a writer or a painter or he can draw but in terms of the idea about we could have a brand that represents these things and it can incorporate these themes in it anyone can can come up with those yeah it's creativity but it's it's a completely different type of creativity so even if you're a numbers person you can, you can still be creative because you can have ideas that of other course, people yeah. can bring to life for you i think there's this very um there's a way where people think of creativity and they're like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not an artist. So they just think, but everyone is creative. I think people also get told, you get told that at school, right? Yeah. Like you're either one of the people that does math, science, engineering. Or you're creative. You know, economics or whatever. Or you're kind of, you know, somewhere in between. Maybe you do like geography or politics or something where there's a bit of writing, but mm-hmm. you're not, you're not, an, you're still not an artist. So, um, yeah, I think it's just interesting to to think about that. And it's partly just what it is to be an entrepreneur it's like coming up with ideas and stuff like that yeah. and and um yeah i know people that work in finance but who've come up with brands but they're really good at numbers but they're sim- but they're also they've got ideas and thoughts yeah and if you're worried about um your writing for a brand and stuff there's tons of copywriting courses online that i found fascinating i know that <laughs> people sometimes find it hard but ycn does really good ones under and tell does really good ones so kind of go and, and search for that. And it's really, it's very, um, you'll probably feel quite inspired to write something after you see those things because you want to talk like they talk. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's always a way to, to bring that out and everyone's got it in them, I think. And it's the same for the visual identity of your brand that you do have to come up with and you might hire someone to do a logo, but you need to think about why you why you're choosing what you're choosing what colors you're choosing yeah. all of that and someone can help you but you don't it's just knowing that you can you can definitely do it yeah you can definitely do it and i think actually it comes back in my mind it comes back to the values that we already spoke about if you have those you'll find someone who can help you interpret mm-hmm. those things the values the the mission the themes people you know like you would for me if i pitched you on this you would take certain things from that and translate it into the image whether it's for um you know whatever kind of business you're in yeah there's people that can can do it and there's also so many tools now to help you there's canva 
there's to a, get started to get started yeah. and to and to create designs you don't need to know how to use you don't um, need to be a professional designer yeah you can started. yeah to get stuff done maybe to create the exact look you want to create but really there are so many tools that you can mm. use now that it's not absolutely necessary so before we look at some of the challenges that we've had with our brand and with kind of growing brands that I've seen with, with friends and other people who've, who've done this and that you've seen as well, mm-hmm. thought maybe for some people, there's, there's a lot of questions that I get asked and they tend to actually be on the more practical side of how do I start a business or how do I become a brand from just kind of, I, right, I have my idea, I know what it could look like, but like how do I actually just get to it existing? So I've made a few bullet points. So one is legal and trademarks. And actually, I don't see that many people do this, but it was really important to me when I got started because there were other people, um, I don't want to say too much, but there's other people that use like Mexico, that use Mexi, that use Mex in their names in the UK and obviously elsewhere in the world. But I was really keen to get kind of Mexi clothing firmed up. And so I looked into trademarking it. In the UK, you basically just pay £170 um and that's it and like your name is trademark you submit whatever you want to submit and then you get a certificate and you get you get it for like 10 years or something so did that like right at the start because i knew i had just kind of had the name and it's not my like my favorite name ever but i had it so trademarked it and we definitely recommend doing it just because although it's really hard to get people to stop doing something if they're copying at least if it's trademark like you know if it came down to it you are backed yeah. By the law. And we got, actually, we got asked this on our yes. Instagram by, by someone in Mexico, how do I trademark? Mm. And in Mexico, it's actually a very similar process to that. You go to the IMPI, I-M-P-I, uh, on gob.mx, and they've got everything you need. You need a few documents, mm. and you pay, it's around two and a half thousand pesos. Okay. Uh, and you, that's it. Yeah. You register. It's very similar to registering a script. It's very similar to registering any type of thing. You just go to the government website and you will find yeah. the information. Yeah, and in um, the UK, it's the Intellectual Property Office is who yeah. does it. And it's, yeah, you just, it's it's really cool. And then, you know, you just sub- submit some documents and then it says your name and it says your logo. And it's like, you are the owner of this thing, which yeah, is Yeah, really and it cool. protects you against tons yeah. of things. So you should definitely do that. Yes, start. and hopefully when you get really big as well, you'll have just like had it in the bag and you yeah. won't have to kind of retro retroactively do, do any of that work. The other thing that's really, that, that a lot of people ask about is just incorporating your business and just registering it with Companies House. In the UK, it's really easy. We registered as a limited company because we wanted to kind of grow and also to be able to import things. You have to be able, you have to be a proper company. Um, it helps if you're a registered company when dealing with certain suppliers when paying for certain things and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um especially around importing and yeah that was just just something that 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 i decided to do i would say all of this is quite it takes a lot of googling and a lot of researching but it's it isn't as hard as people make it sound yeah and and everything that i know like 90 percent of it is just through like finding the answer and searching and sometimes someone will just tell you and say, oh, yeah, you should do it like this. And that that's fine. And we'll talk a bit about that maybe further on. But mm-hmm. a lot of it just comes from you figuring it out. And and so many people have been on the journey before that, you know, the answers will exist. The thing that maybe is a bit harder is kind of tax and accounting. 
Um, I did meet an accountant when I started the business, but it's definitely something I would have I would have liked to have done less of over the last four years, and maybe it would have been better just paying someone to handle more of it for me. Yeah, that's a lot of admin, like paying taxes, and it's it's a. I would say though, from the start to do do set that up because if you become a big business, which is hopefully what you want, or you want to become at least mildly successful as a business. (laughs) Um, you don't want to have to uh, fix all of that later on. You want to have it set up from the start. Yeah, and just like the worry that it can cause and everything yeah. is, is not not what you want. Yeah. The other thing that, that, that I really did really fast and just was super keen to do is once I had my name, once I had stuff like that, I got you to, to help with this as well, is just get the accounts, like get the domain that you want, get mm-hmm. a good domain you know, we have mexiclothing.com, we have mexi.clothing, like that was it. Yeah. Get those locked in, get the Instagram, get the Twitter, get the Facebook. Even if you're not going to use them, just just, just get them own, and, own and, it. Yeah. And you can use it or you cannot use it. But if you don't own it or someone else already owns the name that you want, you got to think about, do I change the name? What are people going to be able to find me? Really, really important to, to just... Have those Once you've well. decided, just get the best things you can. Hmm. Um, otherwise... Yeah, even if you think I'm not going to use a Twitter account, you want to have a Twitter account. Yeah, the next thing, which is a very common question, is what website and what platform do I use for my business? And that is completely dependent on what you're doing. So for my personal brand, I use Wix because I need a very simple website that can host my designs and my writing. That's it. But for my clothing, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, so Squarespace is good for simple websites as well. Wix Mm -hmm. and Squarespace, people love... Um, we've moved from Squarespace to Shopify now. For Shopify e-commerce. has a lot of things for e-commerce that are yeah. a lot better. Yeah. Design-wise, is harder to work with. Yeah. So then you need to research a little bit more into how to make design on Shopify easier. And mm. there's a lot of things that go into it, but it completely depends on the type of website that you want to create. Yeah, and so again, like we did it all ourselves. Mm-hmm. You and I just spent a lot of hours doing it. But you can pay someone, you know... You, pay someone a thousand pounds two thousand pounds it's a Which, lot in mexico you're probably do. probably cheaper to yeah to do it but yeah for us it was always just kind of let's get it done let's mm-hmm. let's do it ourselves um the next things that will just like really quickly rattle through that you you probably want to think about funding so we've talked a lot about paying things so for paying how stuff. do you pay that so yeah so in the uk there's the startup loan scheme which i think is still running you can borrow up to ten thousand pounds at a time mm-hmm. relatively easily compared with getting a bank loan so look up the startup loan scheme if you want a loan you can borrow a really small amount as well you don't have to borrow 10 grand if you don't need it but that was a route that i went down um for us and yeah i don't know what else to say on that i mean ideally get kind of family and friends to help you out or chip in or commit to buying products from you or something like that. Maybe you could get like 500 pounds from your friends to just say, yep, I'm going to buy stuff. Here's, here's some money. I think the, the other, the only thing is I wouldn't want someone else to own any of the business other than us right now at the start. I don't see any point at the start in giving something away. Yeah. There's also something, a lot of the initial costs are in that, are in, that much that you wouldn't be able to if you've saved some money from your day job you can kind of fund your side hustle a little bit but there are certain things that you definitely like for us getting all the products importing all the products we definitely need funding so another thing you can do is look at depending on what type of company you are again there is in latin america there's startup schemes as Mm. well 
that you can look into. And Mexico City, which a lot of people listen from, Mexico City is one of the biggest uh, startup hubs in all of Latin America. So there's lots of funds and schemes that are based on Mexico City that you can look up and call them. And they're actually incredibly... I interviewed them for a a report I did at uni once, Mm. uh, some of them. And they're very easy to reach and they answer on LinkedIn and they're just very um, just easy to talk to. So you can ask there as well yeah and it depends what kind of like what you need if you're trying to figure out a new business from scratch like you kind of need all of that you need the infrastructure you need the people Mm -hmm. to help you out and the money as well whereas if you're doing a business model that's already been done you can kind of just work out okay this costs 500 pounds this costs 200 pounds like my stock's going to cost this much okay so that's four thousand pounds like that's how much i need to get started and i need a bit of extra contingency as well to, to kind of have cash in the bank and, and in case things cost more. Whereas if you're doing something completely new, then a lot harder and you probably do want investment and you want that support and advice. You might want mentorship. Yeah. You, you might want to look a little bit more into schemes. Yeah. And so on that, that point, I got as part of my loan, I got a mentor who I got to meet a few times who was, was quite useful. Mm-hmm. I feel like now it's less, I, I don't really need a mentor. It's just I like having a network for advice. Yeah. I feel like that's the most important thing is having people that you can ask for random things. So we were getting a quote to do, to look at replatforming the website and I was able to just ask a few people, hey, can you recommend someone? And then was able to get the quotes from there. Um, and whereas at the start four years ago didn't really have anyone I had like five people maybe I could could talk to yeah. about different aspects of the business whereas now I've probably got like 50 people I could ask for some kind of advice so that's super useful and then obviously the final thing on, on the kind of checklist is your team and and who is almost who is closer than a mentor that can help that really is going to be invested in it so in this case we have each other had a couple of good friends, Angus and Jack, if they're listening, shout out to them, <laughs> who, who like helped just for the summer when we were getting started for a couple of months and put in a bit of time just to... Had a bit of Corona beer. Had some, had some beers and, <laughs> and did some, some initial work on some sunny summer afternoons to get yeah. things moving. And I think, yeah, I think that's something else to think about. Do you need some, some actual help just to get the volume of these different things off the ground, that yeah. initial planning? And also, all of this sounds beautiful, but you're going to face a lot of challenges that we face a lot of up and downs and a lot of excitement and a lot of um, disappointment and just crushing disappointment. <laughs> but also a lot, a lot of highs and a lot yeah, of a lot excitement. Of highs. Yeah. And that's why it's worth it. And that's why if you have your reason for being again at the center, then you, you will keep going. Yeah. And there's, yeah, challenges can include tax how you reinvent your image because part of it is because you created it you can kind of do whatever you want and that makes it very hard to keep to an image because you can kind of move it yeah you love it but then you also want to keep refining it refining it and then you're not sure which bits are the bits that you should keep and the the Mm -hmm. core bits and then some parts of the brand like some words you use some images you use might resonate with certain people and then super hard yeah it is it is it is a, a big challenge so just trying to set a visual image from the start but don't be afraid to change it mm. as long as it keeps to your values it's just yeah i think that's it um tweaking can be hard when you're the only one who signs off on it because then 
you can do whatever you want and that gives you almost too much choice. Yeah. Um, also, know that who you work with, you work with well. Uh, things like that are important. Yeah. And then I think the the number one category of... Well, actually, no, there's two. That, that I'm going to say two more. So yeah. <laughs> well, one more that's really hard is kind of getting driven and fired up to keep performing after you've had these challenges. And so I was listening to some Gary Vaynerchuk earlier and I used, to listen, I used to watch him every day when I was running this business full time yeah and he's just he's just relentless as a person and I feel like you need to be a little bit crazy if this is your full-time thing or this is yeah. your mission or if you're not selling or and you can't like you can't sell or things aren't working like getting fired up and just doing more things and thinking yeah I'm just gonna get up and I'm just gonna spend four hours like on this thing and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't so at the weekend I spent like five hours setting up products on eBay and like we haven't sold any on eBay. yet yeah but they're there I can see people are seeing them and it's just like giving that a go then giving the next thing a go and and just being relentless in in doing it and even if it's four years or if it's like 10 years you know that you're gonna get some results and some things are gonna gonna happen as a result of it I find something that helps with that is listening to podcasts and watching videos yeah. like because that's the way that you found that in Gary Vaynerchuk. There's so many that you can listen to are very inspiring yeah. that are about what you're doing. I even control delete by Emma Gannon has lots of people that are very good to listen to. How to own the room. Yeah. Like all of these um, resources are there literally to keep you going on your own ventures. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's also recognizing what the right balance is. So with some podcasts, they, they, they serve different purposes. So some it's like practical things of hey have you tried this on Instagram mm-hmm. have you tried doing this on LinkedIn or whatever whereas others it's kind of I I built this one billion pound business and I sold it and so that's something that you aspire to and that gets you fired up other people it's like telling you you need to do more work it's aggressive it's and you've got to figure out what's the balance that inspires you what type of people inspire you yeah. and bring as much of that as possible into your kind of brand building mindset yeah I guess definitely and then the final challenge, which is the number one thing. We haven't cracked it and we never quite... I saw it in, in, in certain moments in the last four years. We've achieved it and, mm-hmm. and can, maybe, can maybe reference those in a sec. But it's not something we've ever sustained. Is generating that hype about your brand at any kind of scale. Yeah. And that's, that's the number one challenge. And I think what we underestimated the most is just how much noise you need to make to get people to latch on to a brand or an idea or a thing that you're doing. I've then kind of, through some things in my career over the last few years, I've seen certain things that have made me realise how much hype you need, which is cold calling. Mm. Like to actually get through to reach people and to book meetings if you're selling business products, you have to call like 50 people a day to book one meeting. For like a week, you have to do 50 calls a day. or or It's not applying for a job, it's like... Yeah. yeah, you have to do an insane amount of volume and you have to think about that with your brands. If you're marketing, if you're posting on Instagram, if you're reaching out to influencers, you have to be like a little bit mad to mm-hmm. do it. And I think some people, maybe I was a bit like this four years ago, are a bit, they're a bit too kind of, they're a bit too intelligent about it. Like they're a bit too sort of, oh yeah, if I just like write the perfect email and I send it to the, the right person, like that's that's it, like that's what I need. But some of it is just about volume and about persistence. And I think I've become a bit 
more crazy in the last yeah. few years because of stuff like that. And I think there's moments where we've got it right and when, for example, when we had this physical shop in Camden and I was working there and you were posting online, I was seeing posts go up on my phone. Mm-hmm. We were selling online, we were selling in the store. Like We had all these different just like stuff happening. Um, we were leafleting all of it and that, that, that got some results. But then when you ease off it, it kind of it, it, yeah. it drops off again. I think, yeah, I think something that's very important there as well is to know that sometimes what you do, as much as you love it, is not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And, that, and sometimes you're going to get it wrong and you just listen to the f- feedback. I've heard of so many, being in digital marketing, I've heard of so many stories of influencers who didn't like the way that you spoke to them. And yeah. that's fine. Take it on board and yeah. say, okay, I won't do that again. So, but it's, it's okay. It happens. And it happens to small businesses all the time because you don't have the money to pay an expert. You don't have the money to pay for adverts. To get everything right. And, you don't, yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't have the resources to get one person to just do one thing. You have to do quite a lot of it yourself. So not everything is going to be 100% all the time. And that's okay. Yeah. I think that's kind of a lesson. That's a good That's a good moral yeah. of the story. And always do your research. If yeah. you're going to be sending out press releases, if you're going to be sending out messages to Instagrammers, if you're going to yeah. be... Like, do your research as to what the best way to do that is, I think. Yeah. Cool. I think that's... I think that's it. That and was quite I think a long episode. That was, that was good. <laughs> I think hopefully there was some, some value in there for people listening and you enjoyed us. If you have any more talking. questions, let us know. Yeah, let us know. And um, let us know as well as we come to come to kind of the end of the episode. Let us know what you thought about our recommendations as well. Yeah. If there's anything that we should be watching. Yeah, reading, tell us. Because to. as we said, we've been kind of watching a lot of old things. So it'd yeah. be nice to get some new recommendations. Yeah, tell us your favourite shows, favourite films. Yeah. And we'll watch them. Yeah, and follow us on Instagram at the Avocado Social Club. You can email us on the Avocado Social Club at gmail.com. I am at underscore Natalia Alvin on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Fraser D. Bell on those platforms. Yeah. So speak to you soon and thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.